Let's open our, our Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 21, and we will read uh, responsively. I'm sorry, verse 16, and we'll read through verse 21. Luke chapter 4, and uh, verse 16. Shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. <clears throat> and he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And, all, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I want us to look back. I've always loved this verse. Um, at verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So he had a custom. He lived by it. They knew who he was. They knew where he'd be and what he would be doing. Uh, very important. He was uh, predictable because why? He lived by schedule. He, as his custom was. I really believe this is one of the greatest secrets to success in any endeavor in life, but especially uh, in Christianity and to do God's will. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you'd lead and guide us as to what to say and to how to say it, and that you would speak when we speak, and the word would go forth uh, with power, and it would not return void. We understand the secret of this, uh, the power of schedule, discipline, duty. We pray that you'd convict us where it needs be, instill it within our hearts, help us to understand uh, the stability that comes from living by custom. We pray that you would uh, bring a revival to those who have gone astray and those who are blown about with the wind. They're not anchored to the rock, and they don't live by duty. Help us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. When Solomon made the experiment looking for success in the world with foolishness in the book of Ecclesiastes, the great verse at the end, he reached a conclusion of this experiment, 
And he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What is it? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Duty. We should live by duty because it's the right thing to do. Not because we feel like it. We may never feel like it. Feelings come and go. Not because someone supports you. Not because the weather's good. No, we live by duty. And it's just like being in the military. Uh, G.I. Joe, that means government issue. When you are uh, drafted or you enlist, you are forfeiting control of your life. You are now government issue. And Paul said, we are to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A lot of people uh, are AWOL. Uh, my dad, one of his duties when he was in the military is he arrested AWOL soldiers. So absent without leave, they would get homesick. He'd tell me stories that he'd go all the way from Fort Bragg. And is that in South Carolina or North? North. He'd ride the train. He'd go all the way to California. He'd find some guy's house. He's sitting there with his family, lonely. He'd have to rest him, put the cuffs on him, put him on a train, bring him all the way back for trial because he was absent without leave. And we're in the army, God's army, the host of heaven. The armies in heaven will follow Christ to fight the battle of Armageddon, riding on white horses. But why is it that for some reason, your average professing Christian, your average church member thinks nothing of going AWOL. They're, they are absent without leave. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. There's a place we ought to be regularly by duty. And there's something we ought to be doing. And it has nothing to do with the variables of life. The just shall live by faith. Jesus set the, once again, the great example. He lived by schedule. Now, remember that his hometown and home synagogue was in Capernaum, largely. But as he traveled throughout Judea, Galilee, he went to different places. We're told here in the text that he was in Nazareth and he, as his custom, what did he do? As his custom, could did they find him in the local barber shop? You know, like these people like to go to the barber shop and and uh, shoot the breeze and catch. Did they find him in the uh, coffee house? Like a lot of people, where did they find him? They found him in the synagogue. You know why? That was his custom. That's where he was known to go. That's where he spent his time. That's what he scheduled into his life. This was uh, a way of life. This is what he did. It was a custom, just like a culture. 
So the synagogue could be likened today to the New Testament church, and it was on the Sabbath day. We now uh, go to church on the Lord's day, the first day of the week, because Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. So these principles apply to us, and what was he focusing on? The Word of God. He stood up for to read. This is our text verse, uh, our, you know, kind of our theme verse for Good News Ministry. He said, the, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because I'm anointed to preach and it talk, the gospel, which is what? Good news. He had a custom. They knew where he would be. And I'll remind you at the end, uh, Lord willing, but Judas Iscariot had no trouble finding Christ. He knew he'd be in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that's where he went to pray. He knew he lived by schedule. Same places, with the same people, regularly on schedule. So Christ stands up and he reads this prophecy of Isaiah, which was fulfilled. He said, this day is this prophecy fulfilled in your ears. And what did they do? They hated him, and he stood up for to read, and he shut the book, and he sat down. This is what he did. It was not strange. They knew where he would be. This is a great lesson about living by duty and schedule. A lot of us are very good at this. Some of us are very poor at this. Most people live by feelings. They're the old Frank Sinatra. Feelings. How could I? I forget how I go. Feelings. They live by emotion. I feel like going to church. I don't feel like going. I don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't feel like whatever it is. The just shall live by faith. Very rarely, well, I hate to say that. When things are rolling, I, I can't wait to get out of bed. I don't want to go to bed because I'm missing out on life. And, uh, but there are other times, man, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't, uh, don't want to face the world. I want to hide. You know, I just want to be all alone and uh, feel sorry for myself. No, I don't want to face the world a lot of times. Uh, Blue Monday's rolling around. Now, you can't base your life on the weather. You cannot base your life on circumstances, good or bad. You cannot face, uh, base your life on money, good or bad. Yeah, I made some really good sales lately. Things have been going good. Production uh, or things aren't going that bad has nothing to do with it. We need to live by faith Christ set the example, and a lot of people, they're so concerned about changing circumstances. They're happy, they're unhappy, and some people base it on their, uh, their needs. You know, I need this, I don't need that, or their problems. I'm going through a rough time, I need to seek God. I'm going through a good time, I don't need God at this time in my life. 
Christ, though, lived by custom. They knew where he'd be. No doubt, whenever they were traveling, and they were wherever they were in Judea, his disciples pretty much knew what was going to happen. There was going to be a certain time. He was going to live by a schedule. He'd be in the synagogue reading. They knew it. They didn't have to ask. And if we're going to get the victory, we have to understand the power of living by a schedule. Now, I'm not saying I'm great at this. I've, I fail in a lot of ways. But a long time ago, I decided I'm going to live by schedule. I'm going to set the alarm same time every day, even if I don't have to get up early. I'm setting the alarm at the same time every day. Even if I could sleep late and I don't have to be anywhere at a certain time, I try to do that. And I have a regimen that I go through, and I hope that you would decide to develop one for your life. And it's based upon, you know, are you married or not? Boy, and if you're single, you've got it made. Don't feel sorry for yourself. You can do whatever you want, and you don't have to ask anybody. Where's all the amens on that? But, uh, and I know it's lonely at times, and I hurt for you. But there are pluses and minuses to everything if you look at it. There's certain things I'm going to do. When I get up, I'm going to do it. That, and there's sometimes I'm tempted to put one thing in front of another, and it may sound a little weird, but I have to go read the Bible first. It's just something I do. I immediately go to my office. I read the Bible, and then I get on my knees and I pray. And then I, I have other things that I do in my daily, I, I guess it's a regimen, to live by schedule. And everything is trying to keep me from it. Have, have you ever noticed, and Brother Howells used to say this, the, ta the things that don't make noise, they're the most important. And the things that make a lot of noise, that draw your attention, they're the least important. Turn me on. Watch me. Um, check your social media, whatever that. I'm glad I don't have that. Listen to this. What is that noise over there? It wants your attention. But the old Word of God, the old black book, it sits there silently. And if you don't make up your mind that you're going to read it by schedule, you're not going to read it. Do you think somehow, some way, you're just going to decide, oh, I think I'll pick this old boring black book. It doesn't have any colored pages, doesn't have... Not, they're not talking to me. And you're just going to pick that somehow in your busy day of all the hectic routine of, of all you've got to do with your daily responsibilities. If you don't put this into your schedule, you are not going to read it. That's the reality. I'm no different than you. I have to make myself read this book. Now, sometimes I want to read the book. Sometimes I love to read the book. Sometimes I read the book, and as soon as I read it, I forgot what I read. And sometimes 
I get so many ideas, I, I run out of ink, and I'm just writing and writing, my hand gets sore. But that has nothing to do with it. We live by custom. Custom. You do what you do because you decide to live by schedule. And something that's very important with this, if you have a policy that makes your decisions for you, there's a lot less room for mistakes. There's a lot less room for error. If you, if you live by your schedule, the schedule makes the decisions for you. If you use wisdom to make a wise schedule, you live a wise life because the schedule dictates what you do. So you don't get a choice. <laughs> you know, most people don't want this. You know why? You're giving up your freedom. You are. You're giving up your freedom. Uh, hopefully you have brushing your teeth in your daily regimen. You know, I don't get a choice. I have to brush my teeth you know, and do some you know, other personal hygiene. I have to. I don't, I don't like it. I'll be honest, I don't like, br who li I don't like brushing my teeth because I brush mine with baking soda. It's very salty. And, you know, you're like, man, that is, and then you don't realize, and then when you wash your mouth out with water and it tastes sweet, you're going, man, that was salty. Uh, but I, I don't, there's certain things you have to do. And if you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. It's not. If you don't schedule, you know, I was talking, you need to, everybody married ought to date their wife. I know that sounds weird. You say, I'm married. Yeah, you ought to go on a date. You ought to put aside everybody, I don't care who or what they are, and, and put your wife where she belongs in front of your kids. Boy, that's a tough one. Um, I always say, you know how your kids got there? Because you love your wife. You know what a lot of people do? They replace their spouse with their kids. And you need a date night, or whatever you want to call it. Get away. Get away. Get some uh, revival in your uh, marriage, whatever you want to call it. But you also need to schedule time to be with your kids. Because if you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. You think it's just all of a sudden you're going to want to do it? It's not going to happen. You have to plan these things. This is the wise way to live. Seek God, use wisdom, make a schedule, let the schedule dictate your life, report for duty. I can't say it right. About face, shoulder, arms, all that stuff. You think you get a choice? When they blow Reveille at 4 in the morning, and it's 20 degrees, and it's raining, and you have to have a 60-pound field pack on your back and line up and present for duty. Well, I just didn't feel like Sarge. Sorry, drill sergeant. I didn't feel like getting out of bed today. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. Uh, you end up getting a dishonorable discharge. Now, most people, they live by feelings. And someday we really want to talk about this, but here's what they base their whole life on. Number one, they didn't get what they wanted. Oh, 
Or number two, they got what they didn't want. That's their whole life. And this dictates how they feel, how they think, how they live, and it absolutely dominates their whole life. Now, I'll be honest. Schedule is boring. It's, it's a rut. It's monotonous. And it's kind of what they call vanilla. I think that's why I like vanilla. That's my favorite flavor because it's, it's just what I like, French vanilla bean or whatever. That's just what I like or old-fashioned vanilla or whatever. That's just what I like. You may like pistachio or something, whatever it is. But it's, the schedule is boring because why? You gave up your freedom, you're trapped. This is what I do. And sometimes I'll feel sorry for myself. And I will say, I have to do this. And then I'll check myself and I'll say, huh, I get to do this. It's kind of hard. Easier said than done. Now, what does this do, though? Even though it's boring, monotonous, every day, same thing. It has a lot of great blessings and benefits. So living by schedule gives you stability. Stability. It gives you consistency. You can trust somebody like that lives like this. And you know what? You can trust yourself. Also, you will be much more productive. You're just going to get a lot more done if you live by schedule. So you ought to live by weekly, daily, weekly, a routine. And, you know, I'm not getting too nosy or personal, but what's your daily routine? I mean, you need, if, it, it, for some people, it'd pretty, be pretty embarrassing. What is your daily routine? You say, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. That. I rest my case. Next, uh, I rest my case because most people don't have one. It's kind of like every once in a while you ought to get up early to know the sun rises slowly. Yeah, some of you, I'm serious on that. Some of you haven't ever seen a sunrise. So, what is your morning routine? What's the first thing you do when you get out of bed? Well, I don't know, whatever I feel like it. You know, whatever I feel like it. Now, you ought to have it planned. What is your Bible schedule? If you were honest, what time of the day do you have scheduled where you read the old black book? It'd be embarrassing for a lot of people because they don't have one. It's a shameful thing. You're a child of God, and you got Joshua 1.8 and Psalm 1, and you don't read it by schedule what is your prayer routine if you don't have time to pray and i know you can pray when you're talking to people anytime but what is your routine what is your exercise boy this is really getting pick nosy right there what is your exercise routine i'm warning you now you may be getting away with this if you're young but you're getting older as the clock's ticking. 
and uh, your metabolism's going to slow down. And some people get away with it. I, I'm, life's not fair. Some people can eat anything and they never gain weight. And, some, and it's really not fair. And some people try to lose weight and they can't. And it's a lifelong struggle and it's really not fair. But the point is, what is your exercise, whatever you choose, schedule? Do you think well, you're going to be sitting on the couch and eating Lay's potato chips and then one day ju and just out of nowhere at 3.45 in the afternoon, I think I'm going to work out. Now, it could happen. It's not likely. It's not likely. You know, it, it's kind of like if you're going to learn Iron Palm or something, you got to do it by schedule. And I know some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Now, what is your eating regimen boy that's really a tough one if you don't have one well come on you ever seen the chinese when they're starving and they got their chopsticks you know and it's looking real good and, and then all of a sudden they turn the bowl <laughs> uh, it's they act like they're starving what is your uh, sleeping routine? That's a really tough one. It's hard to go to bed, and it's hard to get up, and it's hard to turn night, day to night and night to day and accept the reality of life. I don't like it. I like to stay up late sometimes, but sometimes I can't make it past 9. I mean, it just depends on what's going on. But what is your daily, what is your soul winning well, we need to get a revival of soul winning routine. What is your church attendance schedule, or do you live by feelings? I feel like this, and, and you're not going to feel like it. I don't feel like that. Most people are controlled and dominated by anger, fear, Sadness, grief, sorrow, regret. They're just living the past with a guilty conscience. Bitterness, they're mad at the world and they can't let go and forgive anybody. Frustrated, they're always, I'm just frustrated. Overexcitement, mania, you know, it's like, wow, what, what electrical outlet are you plugged into? <laughs> and then some people are totally depressed, just sad and sorrowful, uh, have no, what do they call it? You need to get, what is it, something in your giddy-up? Yeah, get a hitch in your giddy-up. You need to put some spurs on your boots and spur that thing and get something going. Uh, hopefully it's not a bucking bull. So Christ, as his custom was, went into the synagogue, stood up for to read. They knew where he would be, when he would be there, what he was going to do. And he was the lovely son of God. If he had to do this, how much more do I? My flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And the servant is not greater than the master. Right. 
He had to do it. So do I, and so should all of us. Now, as Baptists, we, I, I don't like that word, pride ourselves. I don't ever use that word. Uh, uh, we like to think of ourselves as we are not emotional. We are not charismatic. We are spiritual. We are stoic. We really don't want to show our emotions. And we're not controlled by the lust of the flesh or the uh, emotional things of life. But the reality is, a lot of Baptists who claim to believe that and live by that, they're emotional wrecks. And, and a lot of what they do is all based on how they feel. If you were to ask the average person, well, why couldn't you come to church? Mm, I didn't feel like it. Now, that's the truth. They could have. They didn't feel like it. They should have. Eh, they just didn't feel that good. And this is the difference between faithfulness and unfaithfulness. It's the difference between being a wise steward of what God has entrusted us with and a poor steward of what God has entrusted us with. And when you start living by schedule, your whole life will begin to change because now you have stability. Now you have dependability. Now you have consistency. Now you can be trusted by other people because they know who and what you are and how you live. And now God can trust you with more because you're not a ticking time bomb or you've got something on your shoulder waiting for somebody to knock it off or the wind to just blow this way or that. You can be trusted. This is the whole duty of man. Why was Jesus in the synagogue? It was his custom. It was his custom. That's what he does. Because why? That's who and what he is. We should hold the charismatics in disdain. You know, I would never say this, but Brother Hiles, he used to say, I'm more Catholic than I am charismatic. And I knew what he was trying to say, but he didn't mean doctrinally. And he was talking about people who live by how they feel. I don't know if you've ever heard about the laughing devil. You can look it up sometime. These false prophets preach, and, oh, bless the Lord. God's, and people just start laughing and fall out into the pews. I mean, la I mean like stomach, just, <laughs> it's satanic. You ought to look it up. Just falling, rolling out into the aisles. And they think that's spiritual. Um, we we uh, led a guy to Christ. He was doing really good. He made the big mistake. He said, I'm going to visit the Cathedral of the Palms. Now, first of all, what does that name tell you? Yeah, just the Cathedral of the Palm. Just so happened to have a big old gal who was the pastor. And uh, man, y'all are leaving me up here. And uh, she, she said, I feel something. I can't, where's my woman voice? But this something moving right back there. And I just feel it with my spirit. I have a discernment of the spirit. And 
he, he ended up going charismaniac. And after he started going to all these weird churches, they were speaking in tongues and all this stuff. And he finally came back to church and he said, God's not at the, your church. I said, what do you mean God's not at the church? He, he said, because nobody was standing up with their hands like this, praising the Lord. Can you feel it? Are you feeling me? Are you feeling it? And uh, the Honolulu, who, what is it? Uh, but anyway, the, uh, and, and I said, well, uh, Carl, show me where that's in the Bible and show me where that's spiritual and show me how you're, he said, well, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel a tingliness. And I said, well, put two and two together. If you hold your hands up long enough and you don't know what you're doing, the blood circulation is going to go down and your hands are going to get numb and you're confusing poor blood circulation with the great mighty move of the Holy Spirit. And he went, duh. You know, he, highly intelligent lad. And he, he started, he, he ruined and wrecked his whole life. I think I've told you the story. He heard about a home Bible study. There was a prophet. And this prophet would uh, discern and and anyway, he, he called Carl up and he said, I've just got a, a word from the Lord. You're going to be a mighty man of God. Within 60 days, you're a, a mighty man of God. Look out. And uh, so everybody said, man, Carl's going to be a prophet. And uh, so you know what happened? I think I've told this many times. He got germophobia. And he was so afraid of germs that he would wash his hands until they were bleeding. I'm not, this is a true story. If he touched a doorknob or a car handle or a, you know, a shopping cart at Walmart, he would, it was, and uh, he became a mighty germophobic. <laughs> and uh, then, he said, I'm going to drink protein shakes. I'm going to pump iron and I'm going to build my wonderful physique. And he ended up becoming anorexic, you know, where you eat your food and regurgitate. Lost all of his, he became really skin and bones. But the point is, uh, he lived by feelings, feelings. And by the way, that's a, pro a false prophet. If you study Deuteronomy, it says if the prophecy doesn't come true, you're supposed to kill that false prophet. I know that's the Old Testament. We, do lo we love everyone, right? Pray for them, do good to them. But he, he was, uh, he, he drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of what? That being spiritual is feeling something, feeling something. And nothing could be farther from the truth. The, we haven't dealt with it much lately, but just be prepared. If somebody tries to go for the tongues and all these things, know what the Bible teaches, have a Bible refutation, 
But a lot of people, we had this girl come to our church. She was uh, really doing good, growing in grace. She decided to visit Cathedral of the Palms. They told her that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the uh, gift of the Holy Ghost. So they teach there's two baptisms. You get saved is one. Then you get the second baptism. And then you speak with tongues and you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she, she, would, she came and she said, you know, I just can't get it. I hit the altar. I just said, give. Give me that gift of the Holy Ghost. Give. I don't feel it. I mean, just absolute opened up to the devils. I mean, I like opened Satan, come on in. Well, I know we're in mixed company. This is a true story. She got devil possessed, and she got the gift of the Holy Ghost when she was facilitating on the uh, toilet. That's a French word. That's where the, the spirit was really moving. Rasta Lashanaha, Tamabota, Shudabata Kawasaki, my Yamaha felt another plug. Uh, you know, just absolute insanity. Now, we as good old Baptists, we say that's preposterous. Yeah, well, where's everybody out at tonight? Because it's cold. And I don't feel good, and you hurt my feelings. Yeah, no different. Is that, it's the same difference? Is that even a word? Now, we need to reestablish schedule. And what is it? Faith. Amen. You do what you do because you're supposed to. It's the right thing, whether you feel anything or not. Think about it. Feelings come and go. Now, I remember God gave me a lot of good exhilaration feelings. When I got right and got off drugs and quit my music and all that wicked stuff I was involved in, it felt just really, really good. And I would drive in Corpus Christi to uh, Delmark College. Now it's a part of Texas A&M University. And, you know, I would listen to uh, Lester Roloff, Oliver B. Green, great old-timey preachers driving. And it was just the most exciting, invigorating exhilaration I'd ever had in my life. And we have videos of me and my brother, and I'd say, it's fun being saved. I mean, we just start laughing, and we're happy. And, uh, and it is fun being saved. Well... God wanted to see what I was made of. And one day I was driving to college, and, you know, Corpus is drizzly, windy, and uh, there's so much grease on the highways and the asphalt that when it missed a little bit, it gets real slippery. There was car wrecks and not having a good day, and one thing led to another, and I was like, oh, man, there's a traffic jam. Oh, I'm going to be late for class, and... Back then, you actually had to show up, and they took roll, you know, when you had to actually. But anyway, 
And uh, I, remember, I never forgot this. I pulled in the parking lot, and I'm listening to Oliver B. Green. And I didn't realize he'd been dead for like 20 years. I thought he was still alive. I wanted to write him letters and, you know, the great evangelist. But God took the feeling away. And I can't explain it. It was the most horrible, lonely, saddest oppression. And I sat in my car, and I thought God left me. I really did. This was in like 1980, maybe 1982. I thought God left me, and the feeling left. And I walked in, and I remember distinctly I had to go to government and I didn't like it. It just I just didn't like government class. And I sat in the back, and I just went, and I went, what happened? The feeling left. And I never forgot this, but for about two weeks, I didn't have any feeling. Wasn't any fun. No excitement. I had to make myself read the Bible. I had to make myself go to church. I would go to church and sit there and go, man, I'm not, I'm not getting a thing out of this. And somehow, by the grace of God, I passed the test, and I'm still here. <laughs> somehow, I'm still here. Feelings come and go, and if you get addicted to it, God will see what you're made of. So I'm warning you, keep doing the right thing when it's miserable. And I heard Dr. Ruckman say something about this, and I never thought about it, and I'm almost through. We are to suffer with Christ and for Christ. And could it be that at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to get rewarded mainly for the sufferings, the times we did what was right, when we didn't want to, when we didn't feel like. Anybody can do it when it's easy. Very hard to do when the feeling's gone. What's that song? You've lost that loving feeling. I mean, boy, I'm worldly, aren't I? It's all these, it's, you say, well, why that? Well, that's the way most Baptists live. You know, I was coming to church, things were going great. And then it was just like, mm, I don't feel anything. God's testing you to see if you'll live by duty. God's testing you to see if you will live by schedule and by custom. So in conclusion, I remind you, when Judas Iscariot, when Satan entered in at the first Last Supper, and they said, he said, one of you will betray me. And, he, and they all looked around and said, Lord, is it I? And he said, it's, it's him to whom I give the sop. And he dipped it. And who did he hand it to? Judas. And he went out into the night, remember, to do the dirty deal to betray the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. And the disciples in Christ went out into the night and sung a hymn. Judas had left. Now, he knew where to find Christ. Very, he, where? Garden of Gethsemane. You know why? That's where he took his disciples 
and they had prayer meetings, and he would answer questions about all the parables that he'd been teaching publicly. Then he would give them the deep truths privately. He knew where he'd be. You know, that's where he'll be. You know, wouldn't it be good if somebody knew our schedule and they said, I know where they're at. What time is it? Oh, yeah. They're sitting in that place with the old black book. And it's, it's, now I know sometimes things happen and there's variables, but wouldn't it be great if they said, what time is it? 8.30? Huh, I know where they're at. They're reading that book. They live by schedule. I decided a long time ago, I go to church because God wants me to go to church. And I don't think about it. I don't consider it. I don't rethink it. I don't consider my feelings. I just show up. Now, I know I have to. I'm the preacher. But I lived this way before. You know, I lived this way from the day I got saved. I, I mean, I'm not bragging. That's just the way I knew I've got to live by schedule. And if the members of this church would live by schedule, everything would change. But you know what they do? I don't feel good. They're like a little two-year-old. Make it four. I don't feel good. I don't want to. I've got a tummy ache. And they're a grown person. The just shall live by faith. As his custom was, what an amazing truth. And if, he, if Christ lived this way, how much more do we? Amen. All right, let's pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want you to think about it.